Good morning, everyone. How y'all doing? Awesome, awesome. Good deal. I'm, I am excited that uh, y'all are here today joining us here and online. Uh, my name is Sean. I'm the student minister, and uh, I also lead the contemporary worship team. Um, and I, speaking of which, I just want to thank Todd and the musicians and the choir. Thank y'all so much for the music this morning. Um, it was great. Um, so we're just going to jump straight into it this morning, all right? Um, we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 6, and uh, we'll be looking at the prophet Elisha. Hence what it says on the screen. Uh, I really tried to think of a good sermon title, and I couldn't come up with anything. I almost did Horses, Chariots, and Soldiers, Oh My, but I was like, it didn't feel right. So anyways, we're stuck with just Elisha. Here we are. And side note, it did not work at the first service, um, but I am challenging myself to sit in this chair the entire time. Um, Not because I'm weird or anything like that, but I move around a lot, and I'm trying to give the camera crew up there a break. So we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Better luck this time. Um, So anyways, like I said, we are talking about Elisha, and Elisha has a really cool story. Um, Elisha was the prophet of Israel, but before he was a prophet of Israel, he was actually uh, the student, the, the protege, the disciple of another prophet named Elijah, with a J. And Elijah also has an incredible story. You may have heard of him before. Um, You might remember Elijah was the one who challenged 900 pagan priests and won by calling fire down from heaven, which is completely awesome. And then Elijah, whenever it it was time for him to leave this earth, God picked him up. In a chariot of fire. I don't know if you've ever been in Uber before, but that's a really awesome Uber. And so Elijah is this, he's totally legit. He's awesome. If you're going to have a mentor in your life, you want it to be Elijah. And get this, before Elijah left, before God picked him up, Elijah looked at Elisha and said, hey, is there anything I can do for you? You know, one final thing like a a final blessing, if you will. And Elisha said, take the spirit and the power that is on your life and put it on me, but double it. I want to finish what you started and I want to have twice the impact. And that's a powerful thing to ask, right? It's a powerful thing to ask. And, And God did it. God blesses him with that. And that is how Elisha's journey as Israel's prophet began. And God did do amazing, great things through Elisha. But it wasn't always a walk in the park. Um, It came with its own problems because it was a very tense time in Israel. Because while he was prophet, Israel was at war. And so we find out that they are at war with Aram, and in your Bible it might say Syria. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, we find out that the king of Aram has become increasingly frustrated. He's frustrated because he is trying to be strategic in his attacks against Israel. And so what what, what he does is he gathers all his best officers and they make plans to attack Israel by surprise. 
But Israel's always waiting for him. They're always ready. It's almost as if Israel knows they're coming. And this drove the king of Aram crazy. I mean, he was super frustrated. He was, he was going crazy. It got so bad that the king of Aram started accusing his officers of being traitors and spies because he thought that one of them was giving intel to the king of Israel. And his officers immediately were like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not us. We're, we're, not, we're not telling the king of Israel anything. It's Israel has a prophet named Elisha. And he can hear everything that we say. He knows everything that we're saying, even the things that we say in private. Like he's probably listening to us right now, listening to us talk about him. And so the king of, the king of Aram's like, okay, new plan. Find the prophet. <laughs> and he's trying to be super quiet, right? Because Elisha's listening. And he's like, no, like, go find the prophet. And that's what his officers do. They go out and they go find Elisha and they find him. And he's in a city called Dothan. Can y'all say Dothan? That's right. Y'all are still with me. Good. Dothan. And they go and they surround him, which is what we're gonna, where, we're, where we're going to pick up in verse 14. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots, oh my, everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Can you relate to this servant? This servant, he wakes up one morning, opens the door. He's going to go get some coffee for him and Elisha or something like that. And he looks out and there's, he's surrounded by this army. And he's just like, um, Elisha, well, <laughs> we have a problem out here. We have a problem. I mean, have you ever felt like that? Like you just step out the door and life is like, boom, problems. You know what the worst feeling is? You know, whenever like you're in a hurry, you, like you need to be somewhere quick, like you need to get to church, you need to get to work or whatever, some kind of event, and you walk outside, you look at your car and you have a flat tire, and you're like, I didn't need this. I didn't need this problem. Like I hate that, right? And you just feel overwhelmed and you feel stressed out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, have you ever just felt surrounded? Have you ever just like woken up one morning as soon as you wake up and you just feel it? Like as soon as you pick up your phone, open social media, or as soon as you get to work, as soon as you're around this person, or as soon as you turn on the news and you just feel it. And you just feel surrounded. Like there's no escape. Do you ever feel completely overwhelmed and it just feels like no matter what you do, it just isn't working the way you planned it and you just can't get ahead? And every time you take a step forward, it's something, something is pushing you back, 10 steps back. Have you ever felt surrounded by yourself, like by your own emotions? Like have you ever felt surrounded by anger? 
or by disappointment or heartache. I mean, have, is it just me or have we felt that before? Of course we have. We're humans. That's part of, that's part of our story. We have felt surrounded. We know this feeling of there being no escape. In the servant's reaction, he's panicking, he's freaking out. We, we shouldn't be surprised by his reaction because we have seen that reaction within ourselves. The panic and the not knowing what to do next, we've been there, right? We've been in that situation. But look at what Elisha says next, and I, I find this part a little humorous because remember, they are currently surrounded by an army that is looking for them, right? And Elisha says, don't be afraid. Okay. For there are more on our side than on theirs. That's a weird thing to say in this moment. I can't help but think that Elisha's words didn't bring a lot of peace and comfort to the servant in the moment because uh, Elisha's not seeing what the servant's seeing here. Like, they're in a bad situation. I can't imagine there was a lot of peace happening in his heart because of these words. And Elisha even has to go a step further. Look at verse 17. Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. I think there's a little lesson in this for all of us. It's that when it comes to peace, whenever we're feeling surrounded, when we're feeling overwhelmed by life, we feel like we just can't move forward, like there's no escape. Whenever we, when, when it comes to peace... The words of a friend or a family member, something we read in a book or a podcast or something like, we need those things. Those are helpful. We need to be encouraged, right? But they can only take us so far. Like deep, long-lasting peace that's in our hearts and in our soul, that only comes from one place, and that comes from God. Look at what Philippians chapter 4 tells us. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You see, Elisha knew there was more to be seen than just the enemy because God gave him a perspective that the servant didn't have. The only thing the servant could see was the problem, but Elisha knew there was more to be seen. Elisha was given a heavenly perspective. And so despite being surrounded by the enemy, Elisha knew that ultimately he was surrounded by God's protection. So when we're feeling surrounded in life, where is the first place we should go? 
the first place we should go is to our heavenly Father. We should go to God and ask him to show us that, yeah, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm stressed out, I'm feeling surrounded in life, but we need to ask him to show us that, yes, that might be true, but we are surrounded by his peace. We are surrounded by his love. We're surrounded by his power and grace. And because of that, instead of panic, we can have peace. Instead of fear, we can have courage. Instead of focusing on what's uncertain in our life, we can focus on the certainty of God's goodness. We can know that he is good. We have to have a heaven's perspective on our life or we'll be consumed with the things that we cannot control. So how can we develop this, uh, this perspective, God's perspective in our life? Well, here's a couple practical things, two things I've got. Number one, we can go straight to the source. Y'all want to hear the craziest thing? My wife, Lauren... She sees the world in a completely different way than me. Like, it is crazy. Whenever uh, we were newlyweds, it was the very first thing I learned. She sees the world in a completely different lens than me. Not a good, bad, better, worse way. She just sees the world in a different way than me, right? And if I was going to make this marriage thing work, I had to understand that I had to be able to understand the world from her perspective. But guess what? I didn't go ask her friends for insight. I didn't go to her mom or her dad for insight about how Lauren sees the world. No, I went straight to the source. I asked my wife questions. I asked her her opinion. I asked her about her perspective. And we can do the same thing with God. We can go straight to him. We can go straight to the source. Look at what it says in the book of Psalms. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Psalms 86 says, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. So number one, we can go straight to the source. God can teach us how to walk through this life with his perspective, his way, his better way. And the second thing we can do is we can take a step back. So before I came to serve at this church, I was a graphic designer. And one of my main jobs was to create ads uh, on my computer. And I remember I was working on this one project, and uh, I needed a circle, a ring, actually. I needed a ring. And so I did what I did thousands of times. There is a circle button. (laughs) It's not complicated. (laughs) You just push the button. So I clicked it. No circle. Okay, it's never done that before. So I clicked the circle button again. No circle. So I click it again and again and again and again. And still, no circle. Like, all I need is a circle. 
I've done this hundreds of times. And after 10 minutes, you heard that right, 10 minutes of fighting with my computer, I left my office before throwing out the computer through the window, and I just took a break. And when I came back, calm and collected, I sat down, and when I did, I accidentally clicked on the zoom out button. And when I did that, you're not going to believe this, there were 50 circles (laughs) just sitting there smiling at me. They were there the entire time. But I was zoomed in so far that I couldn't see them. And we have this problem in our life sometimes. Sometimes we get so focused on whatever it is that's causing us to feel surrounded and overwhelmed. And we find ourselves asking, where's God? I need God to do something. What am I going to do next? Where is he? And we get discouraged because we look around. It, it just doesn't look like the situation's changing, like nothing's happening. And yet, the whole time, God is making a move on the perimeter of our life. He is doing something in our life right here. But we can't see it because we're putting all our focus over here. Sometimes we got to take a step back. And I know that's hard. But it is good to put things in our life, put things in place that encourage us to take a step back and see what's going on from a different perspective. I think going to church and being part of a small group are great ways to interrupt our focus just for a moment to help us take a step back so we can see where God is moving in our lives even if it's just for a moment, to know that God is still working. So when it comes to viewing our life through God's eyes, we can go, number one, straight to the source. We can learn it from our Heavenly Father. He can teach us His ways. And the second thing is we can, we can take a step back and we can engage in things that break our focus and point us to where God is moving. So, I know what you're thinking. Sean, I've heard this sermon before, thousands of times. Whenever I'm feeling stressed, whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling surrounded, you know, I just need to change my perspective. You know, I just need to trust that God is good and that he's got my back. Like, got it. I've heard this before. I know what to do. Can I go to brunch now? And the answer is no. You may not. We're not done. The story isn't over yet. Don't forget, we have an entire army we have to take care of, right? So let's see what happens next in 2 Kings chapter 6. We'll be starting in verse 18. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, you have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. This isn't the prophet you're looking for. 
Follow me and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria, which, by the way, that's where the king of Israel is. That's where the army of Israel is. And as soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and then sent them home to their master. After that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. So follow me for a second. The more I thought about this story, the more I realized that it kind of, it played out like a low-key parable. Follow me, follow me. Okay, like a low-key parable. And this is why I say that. A low-key parable, because when we talk about parables, I know. (laughs) Sorry. This is the exact same place I did at last service. I know, I left my seat. That's okay. When we talk about parables, usually parables have a surprise ending, right? They end in a way you don't expect. But parables are also confrontational. They cause us to stop and think and self-evaluate our heart. And parables ultimately point to God's better way in in contrast to how we do things. And now think about Elisha's story. Nothing about it is normal. It doesn't end the way you expect it to end. A matter of fact, everyone in the story behaves and does everything you expect them to do, except for Elisha. When, a, when they're surrounded by an army, Elisha's servant, he panics. He's like, what am I going to do? What? That makes sense. When you're surrounded by an army, that makes sense. That kind of reaction, we expect that. But not Elisha. Elisha is calm. Elisha has an entire army of angels at his disposal, right? What do you expect Elisha to do? You expect him to send the angels out on the army and just wipe them out, right? But that's not what he does. He doesn't use the army of angels. Instead, he asks God to strike him with blindness, and then he takes him on a hike, He takes them to Samaria, which, by the way, was 11 miles away. Like, what is Elisha thinking? What is he doing? This doesn't make sense. And then whenever we find out that he's taking them to Samaria, then we're starting to put the puzzle pieces together. Like, oh, okay, that's where the king of Israel is. That's where the army of Israel is. Elisha is leading the the enemy to the king of Israel, and the king of Israel and his army is going to, they're going to destroy the enemy, right? That's what the king of Israel thought. The king of Israel sees his enemy coming up. And what does he ask twice? 
He says, should we kill him? Should we kill him, Elisha? But no. Instead, Elisha tells him to feed them and then send them home. So much about this story is unexpected. But here's the thing. The reason it's unexpected is because it goes against our nature. And that's where the tension lies. That's where the confrontation is with this story. That's where our self-reflection is. Because there are two opposing forces happening, right? On one side, you have the world's way of dealing with things. This is how you should react. This is what you do in this situation. That way comes naturally to us. We know how this works. We know how this operates. And then on the other side, opposing, we have God's way. A way that's unnatural, but it's better. A better way. I played baseball in high school, and I played center field, and I love center field because I have a very skittish brain. And whenever you're in center field, you're not stuck on one side. You can go left, you can go right, you can go forward, you can go backward. It was the best place for my kind of brain. It made perfect sense. And we, uh, we had a coach who was intense. He was hot-tempered, and it was not going well. It wasn't going well at all. He was miserable, the team was miserable, it just wasn't a good fit. Well, halfway through the season, our, teach, our, our coach was asked to step down. And our assistant coach took over, Coach Norm. And man, I loved Coach Norm. Coach Norm was awesome. And I remember his first day on the job as being the head coach. Uh, we were practicing in the gymnasium because it was raining. And we had just gotten word from our principal that our original coach was stepping down and that Coach Norm was taking over. And so while we were waiting for Coach Norm to show up, we just grabbed a partner and we just started playing catch. We're just throwing the ball back and forth while we're waiting on him. Well, Coach Norm shows up. He walks into the gym. And as soon as he walks into the gym, somebody throws the ball up into the air in the gym, and it goes straight through a light. There's glass everywhere. Next thing you know, Coach Norm is like, who threw that ball? Everybody was scared to death. (laughs) We just froze there in fear because we knew what was coming next. We were about to get an earful. We were about to get an angry, screaming, yelling coach was, that was going to make us run laps all day until we threw up. That's what we expected because that's what we knew. And after what felt like an eternity, I slowly raised my hand and said, it was me. And Coach Norm, he looked at me and smiled and said, Stead, that's my last name, Stead, you goofball, clean it up. 
we cleaned it up, and that was the end of it. And the whole team was just like, that's it? No yelling? No laps? Are you even allowed to coach that way? Like, what's wrong with you? You're doing it wrong. That's why we loved Coach Norm. It wasn't because he never yelled. It wasn't because he didn't have a temper. It wasn't because he didn't make us run laps. He did all those things. But it was because he had a different way of coaching, a new way, a new perspective on how to coach us. He knew that we were just teenagers, accidents happened, and at the end of the day, it was just a game. And we loved him for it. And there was no way on earth we were going to win a game that year because we were bad. We weren't going to win a single game. But we were going to give Coach Norm our very best because he treated us like we had value. Coach Norm treated us like we had value. He showed us that there was a better way. And through Elisha, God was showing the king of Israel. He was showing Israel, and he's showing us today that there is a better way. There is one perspective in this life that comes naturally to us. It is full of fear, frustration, anger, and revenge. We know that way. It comes naturally to us. And then there is God's way. It's better. It doesn't come naturally to us, but we have access to it. And it teaches us that there is a better way to live this life. There is a better way to react when we're stressed, when we're overwhelmed, when we're surrounded. There is a way that is better than this over here. We don't have to be slaves to our fears and our emotions anymore. Galatians chapter 4 says this, starting in verse 3. And that's the way it was with us before Christ. Before he came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son Born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us into his, as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now, you are no longer a slave but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. There was a time before Christ in our life and there was a time after. And the Bible teaches us that they should be different. And the reason why this matters is that we now have a choice. 
Because of Jesus, we have a choice. We don't have to be slaves to the basic principle, principles of this world. We don't have to do it the world's way. As a matter of fact, we have access to a better way. So when the world tells us we should react with fear, we don't have to react with fear anymore. When our instincts tell us that we should take advantage of our enemies and we should destroy the people we disagree with, that we should have revenge, we don't have to. Instead, we can treat them with grace and compassion. We no longer have that excuse of, well, that's just the way I am. Because the Holy Spirit is in us and frees us, even from ourselves. We've been shown a better way in this life. We've been given a new and better perspective, and it should make a difference in our life. This better way should make a difference in the lives of the people around us, in our families, with our friends. This better way should even make a difference in the lives of our enemies. But the real question is this. Does it? Does it make a difference? It can be a struggle sometimes. It can be a struggle to see things the way God sees things when you're in the middle of feeling surrounded. It really can be. But God wants to show us something. He wants to show us that he is moving in our lives, that he has a better way, and that we don't have to fall back on what comes natural to us. And we can lean on him and do it his way. I really hope that you take the time to work through the connection points this week. You'll find them in the online bulletin. And you can do this on your own or with a small group, but I really hope that you take the time to do it. Because these questions were designed to help us navigate in the areas of our life where we feel surrounded. What are those areas where we feel that way? They're also designed to help us realize how we naturally react to them. And I hope that they also help us see that God has a better way in our situation. And I I understand that there may be people in this room right now, as there was in the first service, that even right now, as I'm talking, you feel that inside you. That feeling of being surrounded. There, There is something in your life right now that you just feel like there is no escape and you've been praying for God to move and you just, you feel stuck. And I want to I want to pray a special prayer for you today. Because I believe I believe God wants to show you where he's moving. And so I want us all to bow our heads and close our eyes. And I'm not going to call anyone out. But I just want to know who I'm praying for.
If that's you, if you feel like, I, I, just, I, I'm in, I have a situation in my life that just, I feel like it's surrounding me, and I just feel like I can't escape it. If that's you, just want to raise your hand just for a second. I see you. You put your hands down. I see you. God sees you. And I want to pray over you. God, you've seen the hands, and you've even seen the hands that weren't lifted. You see the hands that were lifted in our hearts. And you see the areas in our life where we feel surrounded. And God, I pray that you would step in. And even if the situation doesn't change, God, I pray that you would show us that there is a better way of navigating this this life. That instead of fear, we can have the courage, God. We can have peace. And that is your way. That is your better way. So God, I pray that you would open up our hearts so that we can see you moving in our lives. And we can see your faithfulness and your goodness. And ask this in your son's name. Amen.